0: Now, what you can do is set up a foundation to have the best possible life as you continue to grow up. So, last week we talked about boundaries in the in the context of relationships. So, whether you are single and ready to mingle, whether you're dating, or whether you're single and wish you were dating, um, all of us one day may end up being married. And when if you get to that place, having the wisdom. Of those, of those boundaries, the foundation of those boundaries, it will allow you to have a much better, fuller, and blessed marriage one day down the road. And so today what we're going to do is continue talking about stuff that you can apply to your life now that will give you the better life as you continue to grow up. Last week we talked from Proverbs chapter 4. Tonight we're going to talk from Proverbs chapter 3. And we're going to talk about something that will not only change your life right now, but will overwhelmingly change your life as you continue to grow because it will become one of the primary themes of your life the older that you get. And what we're going to talk about tonight can be, can be boiled down to one word, provision. And as we talk about provision, what I'm actually talking about is taking care of you, taking care of you, providing for you, making sure that you have all that you need. And the question I would ask you before we even get started is, who do you trust in for your provision? Who do you trust in for your provision? Does your provision come from you and your ability to work? Does it come from somebody else? Is it the idea that someone else one day will take care of you? Where does your provision come from? Because if you follow the wisdom in Proverbs chapter 3, what you will see is that your provision comes from the Lord, that it comes from God, that he is the one that will take care of you. And so as we talk about provision, what I'm not going to do is stand up here tonight and talk about the surface level issue of provision. Because as we talk about that, you might be thinking like, all right, well, where is he really going to go? This is, this is a little bit confusing. What I'm not going to do is stand up here and talk about the surface-level issue of provision, which is finances. Because as we talk about provision, where we're really going to go tonight is to talk about finances. But what we will see as we dive into Proverbs chapter 3 is that your financial provision has far more to do with your heart than it does any amount of money. And the Bible actually talks about finances and money and the wisdom within that far more than it does many other topics. And so let's go ahead and dive in. There's a Bible under your chair. We're going to look at Proverbs chapter 3. I'm going to look at it with you. Proverbs chapter 3, if you want to grab the Bible under your chair, it's page 630. You want to jump on board. And listen, I know right now I'm like, yeah, we're going to talk about financial provision. And half of you are like, what? Like, I'm, I'm freaking in college. I don't know what money is, right? Money is whatever my parents still provide for me. I get it. It's totally cool. And then the other half of you are probably here sitting here thinking like, oh, great, we're at church, and he's talking about money again. Let's just pump the brakes on that for a second. Because we're not talking about money. We're talking about your heart. We're talking about the source of who it is that you trust for your provision. And so let's look at Proverbs chapter 3, and we're going to start in verse 9. Page six thirty, Proverbs three, chapter nine. Uh, Proverbs chapter three, starting in verse nine, says, "Honor the Lord, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops." So, how many farmers do we have in the room? Exactly. Uh, but this still actually applies to us. When it talks about crops, it means that whatever it is that you're bringing in, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those that he loves as a father, the son that he delights in. And this is totally true. If my son walked around punching people all the time, he's three, he could totally do that. Just right in the kneecap, right? Or sometimes he'll run up and try to give me a hug, and like he's right at the height where he like headbutts me where he shouldn't headbutt me. It's quite awful. Um, But if I allowed him to continue to do that, would I be loving my child? No, because he doesn't need to be someone that runs around punching people, as much as he may want to. That's not the best thing for him, and so I reprove him, so I discipline him, so I teach him. That's not the best thing. Let's get back on track and find the full life, Bowen, because it it's not fighting everybody or pushing your sister. This is real talk. So don't uh, don't resent the Lord's rebuke. Verse 13, Blessed are those who find wisdom, those who gain understanding, for she is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. She is more precious than rubies, and nothing you desire can compare with her. And so as we talk about provision, what we're really talking about is how do we extract the wisdom of Proverbs chapter 3 in discussing money, in discussing finances, in discussing your future. Because you may not even have a job right now. You may not be pulling in a salary, but one day you will, or you better hope you will. One day you will. And the foundation of wisdom that you can apply to your life right now when talking about this will set you up for potentially a different trajectory for the rest of your life. I've learned this. I've learned the value in it because what we're really talking about, the discipline of it, is called the tithe. And so, yes, I've never done this in C12. We are actually going there. We're going to talk about tithing. But before we jump in, I want to tell you two things. First is I'm not up here trying to get something from you. We don't even take a tithe at C12. You ever notice that? There are no KFC buckets being passed around trying to let you figure out, like, nope, no popcorn chicken. Oh, that's where I put coins. Like, we're not, we don't even take the tithe in C12. But I do know this, that the major key to your financial provision is understanding and practicing the discipline and the obedience and the trust of the tithe. And so I'm not up here trying to take something. What I'm trying to do is is give you the most wisdom that I possibly can for you to have the best life. I want you to unlock what it looks like to grow up understanding the sense of provision, understanding this wisdom that a lot of people don't get. Because when we talk about provision, we're not talking about money. We're talking about your heart. And then the second thing I want you to know is that I practice this, is that I believe in this. And the reason why I believe in this is because I trust God. If I trust God with my entire life, if I trust him to say I trust that you are my hope, you are my salvation, you are the source of my love and joy and peace. If I trust him with my life, then I'm going to trust him with my finances. It makes sense. And because I trust him, I get to practice this and I know that God's always going to take care of us. Growing up, my family didn't have a lot. We didn't my mom stayed home, my dad was a bookstore manager. Like we we just didn't have a lot. We didn't travel a lot, we didn't live in luxury by any means. And yet the thing I watched my dad do every single paycheck was tithe, was give back to God what was already his. And he would tell me as a kid, I'd try to like sneak a look and like, how many numbers are on that envelope? Like I didn't know what anything, right? And he would always tell me, he put this into me, he said, Matthew, I want you to listen to this because I was Matthew when I was a child. So you got to go with me, okay? Matthew, what I want you to hear is this. We always tithe because we trust God. We believe that he's always going to take care of us and he always has. We've never, missed a bi- we've never had to miss a bill, and we've always had food on the table. He's always taking care of us. And it's a simple faith that I was able to get as a child. But the other side, even though I practice this, what I also know is I'm not the wisest in this. I'm not the best in the world at knowing how to communicate the wisdom of the tithe to you. So luckily for you, we have someone that is, I'm not even playing, like this is not, uh, this is not made up. It's the best in the world. Uh, I've been a pastor for almost eight years. Uh, I've been around church almost my whole life. I've never heard a teaching as anointed and as blessed as the one that we're going to get to hear tonight. It is the best teaching on the tithe and not just why you do it or, the, or what it looks like, but the heart behind it. Why it is that we should gladly and thankfully bring our tithe to God, saying thank you. And so what I want to do is I want us to dive in. It's almost like we're going to be at one of our campuses, right, at 12 Stone. So I'm going to be the campus pastor for a second. And what we're going to do is I want you to get something to write with, something to take notes with. You don't want to miss this because this guy named Robert Morris, he's a pastor from a church out in Texas. And he he delivers that it's the best in the world. People from all over the world go to try to get this guy to teach them about unlocking the wisdom of financial provision. And he came to 12 Stone about two years ago, and he taught us this. And so what I want to do, if you've seen this before, guess what? You better be taking notes, because it's always good. It's always new. I'm going to be sitting back there taking notes. And if you never have, well, then you're in luck, because you're about to get something that's invaluable. So we're going to jump in. Robert Morris is going to teach us on the principle of the tithe. And then after we're done with this, I'm going to hop back up. We'll close it out. Let's go.
1: Thank you. Thank you, thank you. I'm very, very glad to be here. I'm honored to be here. I want to greet all the campuses of Twelve Stone. Uh, I've just fallen in love with Pastor Kevin, and, and we're just. I'm very, very honored to be here. I want you to know that. Uh, my wife and I. So you know just a little bit about us. We've been married uh, this year. Will be 34 years. Uh, and I know what you're thinking. And yes, we got married when we were 10. <laughs> so uh, we have uh, three grown and married children now if you have grown and married children you know why I add those two words and married let me tell you why if you don't understand because our children are grown and married what that means is that Debbie and I are now wealthy (laughs) that's what that means so uh, we love our kids matter of fact I brought a picture of our children and our family this is our our family here Uh, My two sons and two daughters-in-law, my son-in-law and daughter. If you notice, my son-in-law is different from the rest of us. (laughs) He's taller. (laughs) Uh, This is my beautiful family. We have four grandchildren, as you can see. And uh, I will just tell you this. If you don't know this, grandchildren are better than children. They are much better than children. And uh, uh, grandchildren are God's reward for not killing your children. (laughs) So if you just hang on, it it gets better, all right? All right, we're in a series called The Blessed Life. Uh, Pastor Kevin started the series last weekend, and I want to ask you to turn your Bibles to Exodus chapter 13, Exodus 13. Uh, And I say turn in your Bible, but let me bring it up to modern day too. I could say click (laughs) to Exodus 13. If you read your Bible on a device, that's fine as long as you read your Bible. Uh, The first This message that I want to bring you is called The Principle of of first. This is probably the most important principle in the Christian walk that God's ever shown me. Because when God's first, everything in your life will come into order. Everything. But when God's not first, everything's out of order. And I'm not saying you don't have any more problems. I'm just simply saying that everything comes in order when God's first and everything is out of order when God's not first. So let me show you this scripture and then we'll talk about it some Exodus chapter 13, look at verse 1. It says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Consecrate to me all the firstborn. Whatever opens the womb among the children of Israel, both a man and beast, it is mine. Now, those are very emphatic words uh, in the Hebrew language. It is mine. It belongs to me. The firstborn belongs to me to me. I'm going to show you in this message a few other things that belong to God, and it's very important to understand that. Then look down at verse 12, Exodus 13, verse 12. You shall set apart to the Lord all that open the womb. That is, every firstborn that comes from an animal which you have, the males, shall be the Lord's. But every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb. And if you will not redeem it, then you shall break its neck. I just, I just want you to notice, you'll lose it anyway. If it doesn't go to God, you're going to lose it anyway. And all the firstborn of man among your sons, you shall redeem. Now, let me tell you what we just read, and I have three points. If you're taking notes, I'd like you to write these down. If you're not taking notes, uh, write these down, all right? Number one, the firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. That's what we just read. And we're going to explain it and talk about it. But the firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. Okay, here's what he's saying. And he uses uh, animals that are uh, uh, examples of clean and unclean animals. He uses a donkey and a lamb. They're representative of an unclean animal, the donkey, and clean animal, the lamb. Here's what he says. If, If your firstborn is a clean animal you have to sacrifice it. If, you're, if you have a clean animal that has a firstborn, it must be sacrificed. If it's an unclean animal, it must be redeemed with the sacrifice of a clean. Now, I want to say that one more time because I know we think, man, this was written 4,000 years ago. What does this have to do with me? But everything in this book relates to Jesus Christ. Everything in this book will point to Jesus. So here's what he says again. If your firstborn is from a clean animal, it must be sacrificed. If it's from an unclean animal, it has to be redeemed with the sacrifice of a clean. Okay, what does that mean? Here's what I think that means. To us today, I want you to think about this. Were you and I, and you can answer me out loud, all the campuses, were you and I born clean or unclean? Unclean. We were born in sin, right? We were born unclean. Okay, okay. Was Jesus born unclean or clean? clean? Clean. Listen, the clean had to be sacrificed so the unclean Amen. could be redeemed. That's what we just read. Okay, this is why this is, is, is um, in some ways, it, it hurts my heart when people speak negatively about tithing. Because I'm going to say something to you that maybe you've never thought of. Jesus is God's tithe. See, we give the tithe first before we know what's coming. He said, you give me the first one. He didn't say, wait until your sheep has 10 and then give me one of them, the one you don't like, the one that gets in your garden. He didn't say that. He said, give me the first one before you have nine more. Give me the first one and the rest are redeemed the rest are blessed that's what tithing is we we give the tithe first before we pay the bills and the rest is blessed that is actually what brings the blessing on our life it's that we give it in faith you don't pay all your bills and then tithe because that's not faith you give the first one okay this is the reason i say that jesus is god's tithe because god didn't wait to see if we would clean up to give jesus god gave jesus while we were yet sinners He demonstrated his love toward us. God gave Jesus, and this is the way Romans actually says it, in hope. And it's actually the same word that we translate faith. In faith that we would believe, that we would receive him. So Jesus is God's tithe. And when we do this, this is what we're talking about. The firstborn must be sacrificed or redeemed. And here's what he says. And if you don't do this, you have to break its neck. You're going to lose it anyway. What so many people don't realize is if they don't tithe, it's still going out of your account. You're going to lose it anyway because it belongs to the Lord. So the first portion is the redemptive portion. The first portion redeems the rest. So the first portion, the firstborn, must be sacrificed or redeemed. Okay, here's point two the first fruits must be offered. The first fruit must be offered. Let me just read you. Just stay there in Exodus 13, but let me read you a couple of scriptures. Proverbs 3, verses 9 and 10 says, Honor the Lord with your possessions, and with the first fruits of all your increase. So your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats will overflow with new wine. Exodus 23, 19. The first of the first fruits of your land you shall bring into the house of the Lord your God. I just want to read that again. The first of the first fruits of your land, it always has to be first, you shall bring, I want you to notice the word bring, and where do you bring them? Into the house of the Lord your God. The tithe comes into the house of God. It's the first 10%, it doesn't go to a missionary, it doesn't go to a ministry, a Christian ministry, even though I believe in giving to those those, uh, Christian ministries, missionaries, all that, but the tithe, the first 10%, comes in the house of the Lord, and you don't designate your tithe. You don't say, I want 5% here and 3% here and 2%. The reason you can't designate it is because it's not yours. It doesn't belong to you. You're returning it to the Lord. Now, I want you to notice the word bring. God never uses the word give when he talks about tithing. He always uses the word bring because you can't give what doesn't belong to you. You can only bring it into the house of the Lord. And you can bring it or you can steal it. When you study Scripture about the tithe, You have two choices, and tithing is all through the Bible. It is a principle that's all through the Bible. Yes, it was under the law, but it was way before the law. Actually, some say 400 years. They go back to Abraham and Jacob. It was 2,500 years before the law, and I'll show that to you in just a moment. And it goes all the way through. In the New Testament, Jesus himself said, this is in red, Matthew 23, 23, you ought to tithe. You ought to tithe. Well, that's enough for me. If the one that saved me in a motel room says you ought to tithe, then you ought to tithe. So it's all through Scripture. And we bring the house. So we bring it into the house of the Lord. Again, you have two choices with the tithe. You either bring it to the house of the Lord, or if you keep it in your account, you steal it. Now, now I know this is the first time I've ever spoken here. Please don't get offended at me because those are not my words. Those are God's words. He's the one that says, you're robbing me. And in Joshua 7, they have stolen for me. They've taken what is consecrated to the house of the Lord. They stole it. When um, my daughter was dating uh, Ethan, the man she married, uh, they were standing around talking in a group uh, after a young adult service at our church, and they were talking about how um, uh, difficult it might be to date my daughter, you know, the pastor's daughter. And uh, one of them kind of jokingly said to my daughter, you know, your dad is so strong on the tithe, he probably checks the tithing records of the guys that want to date you. And my daughter said, he does. <laughs> and I did. <laughs> well, let me ask you a very simple question, though. Why would I give my daughter to a thief? Or oh, I could take it, just lighten it up a little bit for you, but why would I give my daughter to a man that can't even handle money? I mean, if he can't handle money he definitely can't handle my daughter because she is a handful. <laughs> so So it's all through scripture. Remember when they went into the promised land, you remember what 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 the Lord told them to do? Bring all of the first fruits into the house of the Lord. Bring all, here's the way he said it, bring all of the silver and gold from Jericho into the house of the Lord. Now, why would he say bring all instead of 10% in this instance? Because Jericho was the first city. Here's what he's saying. You give me the first one, the rest are blessed. The rest are redeemed. And when they kept some of it, they lost the next one until they returned it to the Lord. See, we don't give. We return the tithe to the Lord. Uh, when I was in college, one of the students asked, why did God accept Abel's offering and he didn't accept Cain's offering? And the professor, uh, I'm very proud of him now when I think back, he said, you know, I really don't know. But when you understand the principle of the firstborn and firstfruits, fruits, It's easy. Let me read it to you and watch how easy it is to understand why God accepted Abel's and he didn't accept Cain's offering. Genesis 4, 3-5 says, And in the process of time, now those words are very, very important. In the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Notice it does not say first fruit. Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect or receive Cain and his offering. You see it? It's simple. Abel, who's a rancher, brings the firstborn. Cain, who's a farmer, does not bring first fruits. In the process of time, he brought an offering to the Lord. Let me say that another way. He gave what he wanted when he wanted. And God said, I'm not accepting that. And I'll tell you why God didn't do it. Uh, It's not just that God didn't do it. It's that God couldn't do it. Uh, There are some things God can't do. He can never act outside of his character. He can't. Uh, Let me give you some examples. Uh, God can't change. This is called the immutability of God. He can't change. The reason he can't change is because if he could change, he could get better. And he can't get better because he's perfect. So he can never change. Another thing God can't do, this will kind of shock you, he can't think the way we think. Let me clarify that. God can't think the way we think. You want to know why? Because we think to figure things out. God's not trying to figure anything out. He doesn't think the way we think. Uh, Let me say it another way. Nothing has ever occurred to God. God has never said, you know what I just thought of? I just thought of something I never thought of before. He's never said that. This is called the omniscience of God from the the words omni and science, all knowledge. God has all knowledge. And here's another thing, if it'll blow your mind. He knows everything at the same time, at the same time. So there are some things he can't do. And you know, when I, even a moment ago, when I said God can't think the way we think, you might have even remembered a scripture and thought, oh, wait a minute, I know a scripture. That scripture actually proves it. Here's what God says. My thoughts are not your thoughts. I don't think like you think. As the heavens are higher than the earth, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. So let me tell you one other thing God can't do. He can never be second. Never. This is called the preeminence of God. God is higher than all, before all, first of all, above all. Now, I will say this. He might be second in your life, but that doesn't mean he's second. (laughs) He's never second. He's first. So what that means is he can't accept an offering that's not first because he's first. He won't do it. He said it all through Scripture. He says it several times. You bring me the lame and the blind and the crippled, I'm not going to accept that. I'd accept the firstborn and firstfruits. Okay, and here's the third thing. The tithe must be first. The tithe must be first. Why? Because it belongs to the Lord. Firstborn belongs to God. Firstfruits belong to God. The tithe belongs to God. Leviticus 27:30 says, and all the tithe of the land, all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, is the Lord. This is very similar in the Hebrew language, belongs to the Lord. Same phrase. It is holy, set apart to the Lord. It belongs to God. So let me give you an example. Uh, let's say that you own a, a, a landscape company. And... Um, I, I say, hey, I'd like some trees and some plants and some bushes, you know, at my house. And and uh, so you come over and you say, okay, this is how much my uh, materials will be. This is how much my labor will be. These are all my expenses. My profit will be $1,000. Okay, that's what my profit would be, be, $1,000. And so um, you say, is that agreeable? I say, yes, that's agreeable. So you come and you do the job, and then you bring me the bill. You say, okay, here's my labor, here's my... Uh, uh, materials, here are all my expenses, and then here's my total bill. And so I pay all of that, and then I decide to pay you your profit in cash. And so I give you ten $100 bills, alright? $1,000, ten $100 bills. So You have ten $100 bills in your hand. Now, let me let me say something for just a moment, alright? I know this is a math illustration, and half of you like this illustration, <laughs> and half of you don't. I understand that, okay? It won't last long, I promise you. Um, math is, is, is easy for me. My father is a, a mathematical genius. He, he literally is. And um, I'm not a genius, but numbers add up in my mind without me trying to get them to. They just add up. We were in a business meeting one time. And we were talking about this much for this and this much for AVL and this much for construction, this much for architect and all. And then when someone said, how much is that? I said, that's $72,800,000 because it just happens. I don't try to get it to it. It just happens. Uh, Debbie and I were buying something a while back. It was $7.99. And uh, she said, I'll have to figure the tax on the calculator because the cash register is broken. And I said, it's 66 cents. And she looked at me for a moment, and then she did this, and then she said, it's 66 cents. And I thought, yeah, I know. But I didn't say it. I just said, okay. So we get out in the car, and Debbie said to me, how do you do that? And I I thought she was actually asking me, you know, how do you do that? I thought she she wanted to know. So I, I explained it to her. I said, well, the tax rate's 8.25, 7.99 is close to 8. 8 times 8 is 64. A quarter of 8 is 2. 64 plus 2 is 66. I said, that should happen, sugar, in less than a second in your mind. She said, it doesn't. She said, but I do know what 25% off means. So I thought she was talking math, you know, just, I'm clueless, you know. So I said to her, okay, if you're buying stuff for $100 and it's 25% off, what does that mean? She said it means it's a good deal. (laughs) Then she she said, and if it's 50% off, it's free. (laughs) I said, what? Where where did you get that? She said 50% off is the same as buy one, get one free. (laughs) So it's free. And if it's 75% off, you're making money. (laughs) <laughs> which explains some difficulties we've had in our checkbook over the years. But anyway, so math is easy for me, okay? So if you, if you don't like math, just stay with me. It's a very easy illustration, okay? You have 10 $100 bills in your hand, and a tithe is 10%, okay? So two questions. First question, how much is the tithe? You have $1,000. How much is the tithe? $100. It's one of the 10, right? Okay, here's the second question. Which one is it? Yeah, you're saying that because you're listening to this message, and that's great. But how do you know which one's the first? Okay, let me tell you how you know. It's the first one to leave your hand. That's the first one. Because if you go home and say, I'm going to set aside some for the house, some for the car, some for groceries, and God hears your part. No, that's not God's part. You gave the first part to the mortgage company. And the mortgage company does not have the power to bless your finances. Hear this, this, let me say this, and God, here's your part. Here's the leftover. And sometimes we do this and this and this, we say, oh, God, there's not enough leftover for you. Well, I don't mean to burst your bubble, but he wouldn't receive it anyway. Right. Our God does not receive leftovers. Right. He receives the first and the best that we have. And here's what we do. When we say, God, here's your part, a supernatural blessing comes on our finances. And the nine go farther with God's blessing than the ten without God's blessing. here's what God said. Bring the tithes, again he used the word bring, in the storehouse. And see if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out such a blessing on you, there will not be room enough to receive it. And then he says, and, and, it's kind of like if you call right now. (laughs) And I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. He doesn't even say for the kingdom's sake. He says for your sake. Can you imagine God rebuking the devil for you? That's spiritual warfare. that's, right. and that's pretty good. See, I, I, I've actually told our whole church, I've told our whole church on many occasions, you tithe for one year. And if you are not fully satisfied at the end of that year, I will give you your money back. I've told our whole church that. And I'll tell you what, I'll tell you, You tithe for one year, if you're not fully satisfied at the end of that year, Pastor Kevin will give you your money back. (laughs) (laughs) You You can correct that later if you want to, all right? Okay, here's, it's first, it's first. Now, I want to tell you something. I'm not legalistic about this. I'm not legalistic. God is not legalistic. He is not a legalistic God. He gave the law for two reasons. Two reasons. One, to show the moral standards of God. If you want to know, not to covet, that's what Paul says. Then the only way you know that is to read the law, but the main reason he gave the law—this is what also Paul says—is to frustrate us to bring us to Christ. If you don't think the law is frustrating, read Leviticus. (laughs) There's a whole chapter on what to do if you get a scab. Here's what God wanted. He wanted us to come and say, "I can't do this." Here's what he says. That's great. My son already did it. It's great. So God is not a legalistic God. So uh, here, here's what I do, and I want you to understand I'm not legalistic about it, but I started this years ago. Well, I get paid uh, on the 15th and the 30th. Now, years ago, I started doing it with a check because now I do banking online. But right now, on the 15th and the 30th, when I get paid, I'm, while I'm having my quiet time, that morning, I go online and I send the tithe to the church. You know I mean? it's, it's the first that leaves my account every every month twice a month. Uh, Used to, again, when I'd write checks, I would write the tithe check, settle over to the side, and then pay the rest of the bills. But I always did that first, because scripture talks about that we give it first. We bring it to the house of God first, okay? Now, I'm not legalistic about it. What happens if on the 15th or 30th, uh, I have an early morning meeting, I don't have my quiet time that morning, I rush out, I get meetings all day, I come home, I think, oh, 15th got paid. So I go in to do it, and I notice that Debbie went to the grocery store that day. Okay, I don't say, oh, that's great, sugar, we're cursed. (laughs) (laughs) For the next two weeks now, because you went to the grocery store, we're cursed. Okay, I'm not legalistic about it. And listen, God's not legalistic either. It's in your heart. Because I've had people say, Pastor, I've been tithing for years, but I didn't know to do it first. That's okay. God knows your heart, but now you know. (laughs) And to him who knows to do good and does it not, it is sin. Um, it's very important for us to understand this. Now, go back to Exodus 13, and we're going to, we ended with verse 13 a moment ago. We're going to read verses 14 and 15. So it shall be when your son asks you in time to come, saying, what is this? In other words, why are you killing the firstborn? You remember that? We talked about that. We started there. That you shall say to him, by strength of hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. And it came to pass when Pharaoh was stubborn about letting us go that the Lord killed all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of beast. Therefore, I sacrifice to the Lord all males that open the womb, but all the firstborn of my sons I redeem. Okay. Here's what he says. He said, one day your son's going to get old enough to ask you why you're doing this. And when he does... Here's what I want you to tell him. I, I, think about this, too. Think, I, I've thought about it in my mind how it might happen. The son, he's real young. He comes running into the house. He says, Daddy, Daddy, the, the, the sheep is having a lamb, and it's, it's her first one. And so the, they all get up, and they run out to the barn, but the dad grabs a butcher knife on the way. They get out to the barn. The whole family's standing around. And they go, Oh, it's the miracle of life. Oh, and It's precious. Oh, look, he's standing up. He's standing up. And then the dad walks over, grabs the lamb by the back feet, picks it up, cuts its throat. And the, the little boy's watching this. So you know what he's thinking, don't you? He's thinking, don't mess with dad. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know what that lamb did, <laughs> but I'm never going to do that. <laughs> but then the son gets older, and then one day the dad comes in from the field, the son is sitting there. He's got some books out in front of him. And he says, Dad, um, sit down, Dad. Sit down just a minute. Uh, Dad, I've, um, I've been going over the books for last year. And, um, you know, Dad, you, you might not even know you do this. You know, we all have blind spots, you know. Uh, but, um, well, um, every time that one of our animals uh, has a, a firstborn, um, how shall I say this, you uh, kill it. <laughs> and, um, Dad, you you killed 73 animals last year. And, uh, Dad, we're we're in the ranching business, Uh, and uh, this is cutting into our profits. And he said, when your son asks you in time to come why you do this, you tell him, son, um, there's something about our family that, that you don't know. We weren't always in the ranching business. We didn't have animals. We didn't have land. Son, we used to be slaves. We were in bondage. But God with a mighty hand delivered us. Therefore, we gladly Give to God, the firstborn. Okay, 4,000 years ago, this was written. It happened to me. I'm paying the tithe. doing I, I'm paying my bills, I should say. And I write the tithe check out, settle over to the side, and I'm paying the bills. And my son comes in, and he's old enough now to read and write and, you know, get numbers. And he has a, a real mathematical mind like I do. He comes in. And he sees this check and he sees how large it is. Think about how large that'd be to a little boy. And he said, Dad, why are you giving so much money to the church? And I remember the scripture. And I actually took him and I set him on my lap. And I said, son, um, I need to tell you something about your daddy that you don't know. Your daddy wasn't always a Christian. And your daddy used to be a very, very bad man. Your daddy was in bondage. But God, with a mighty hand, delivered your daddy. Therefore, I gladly give to God the first of all of our income. I'd gladly do this, son, because I had nothing. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes for a moment. And I want you to just take a moment and just ask the Lord, Lord, what are you saying to me? Every person, just take a moment and just ask the Lord, Lord, what are you saying to me? And I know that this is a struggle for many people. Many people say, Pastor, I I can't afford to tithe I wish I could, but I can't afford to tithe. I just want to say something to you very lovingly. You will never be able to afford to tithe until you tithe. Because tithing is what removes the curse. God's not cursing you. We live in a cursed world. And when we tithe, we bring our finances out from under the curse. Our finances are redeemed. So I want to encourage you do whatever it takes. To return to God what belongs to Him. And watch what God does.
0: So with y'all's heads bowed, I'm going to pray for us. Father, I, I I pray that this message would hit home. Um, there's part of it while listening that uh, messes me up in the same way that it messed up Robert. Because I'm a father. Because I have a son. Because one day I'll get to tell him. Your daddy's not a good man, and and yet God, with a mighty hand, saved me, and so I gladly give. And Father, even before the the men in this room become fathers, Lord, I pray that this message would hit home, and they would right now begin uh, building a foundation to be a man that honors you, that doesn't steal from you, that gladly gives back to you because he trusts you. And Father, would you take the women in this room? And before they even get to the place where they're married or have children, may they become women who trust in you for their provision. Not in a man, not in a job, not in anything else but you, so that one day they can tell their daughters, uh, your mom was not a great woman, and yet God with a mighty hand saved us, saved me. And so we gladly give. Father, I pray that we would become a people that would practice this. Even though we don't take a tithe at C12, I pray that we would figure out what it looks like in our world with whatever you've given us to obey you and to trust you, and that we would unlock the riddle of financial provision in our life, and that all of us would learn to trust you with our life, and then as a result, we gladly trust you with our money. May we hold it with an open hand instead of a closed fist. Because, Father, all of our, all of our work, all of our striving. God, all of our success, it's all in vain. It's all toil. At the end of the day, all that we need is you. So, Father, may you increase our trust for you. May you teach us, God. May you grow us in wisdom, in stature, and in favor with both you and with men, just as you did Jesus. So, may we follow the teaching of Jesus and gladly give this. Gladly say thank you for always providing. And, Father, if this is the first time someone's ever heard this tonight, I pray that it would stick that it would be so uh, prevalent in their life moving forward that they would no longer be able to, to look at money the same. And, Father, I pray that if anyone comes in here tonight uh, with, a, with a negative, soured heart towards this topic of money and thinking that the church is all about just getting money, Father, may in the name of Jesus you completely eradicate that from anyone's thoughts. That's the enemy. That's, what, that's Satan trying to steal and kill and destroy, God, what you are trying to build because there's life available to us when we trust you. And Father, to the person that may have, have messed up financially, Lord, and may have, have put themselves in a hole, I pray that they would do whatever it takes to trust in you first, because when we trust you, the nine goes f- so much further with your supernatural blessing than the ten ever could on our own. And Lord, ultimately, this wisdom is something that can change our lives, but it can change the trajectory of the legacy that one day we may be able to build. So I pray that you would take our our stories and that you would write them to become people who trust in you. So, Lord, we love you. We praise you. We glorify you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, again, I know you probably didn't come in here expecting to hear a financial talk. uh, But I pray that at the end of this, I've been praying for it. And I pray that right now you understand the heart behind this. This this is God wanting you to not be found in money, but to be found in him, not to be found in a job or in success or in status, but to be found in him. And so we trust him. And so what we want to do is actually equip you. Uh, We're not going to close out and worship kind of how we did last week. So we can just get out and have some community. And we actually want to equip you, if you'd like, to know a little bit further wisdom about how to actually do this, start practicing it now. And so something we've done as a church uh, this past weekend is there's this guy named Ron Blue. Robert Morris and Ron Blue may be the two smartest dudes talking about this in terms of biblical wisdom with finances that I've ever seen. And Ron Blue has a book that actually talks about the exact same topic and principles in the heart of what we talked about tonight. And so we have 100 copies of his book available for you if you want one. Now, look around. There's more than 100 of you. So it's first come, first serve. They're going to be underneath the stairs. You can grab one on your way out. Second thing, all the ladies in the room, ladies, uh, what we hope you heard in the middle of the awkward office style announcements with Jojo and Hassan. Jojo, you all right, bro? Like, I was, I was worried for you for a second because um, that ain't right. Uh, but girls, listen, one of the things we want to start doing here at C12 is providing an opportunity for you to gather, for you to build community. We talked about relational boundaries last week. We want to give you an opportunity to, to find the community of solid women in this place. So what we're doing is creating these monthly uh, gatherings, if you will, for both all the guys in C12 and all the girls in C12. And the first one coming up is for the girls it's going to be February 29th, so follow us on social media so you can see all the details as they come out, or you can go find Kelly Calhoun, uh, Katie Morgan, or Christine Kay. They can help you uh, find out more details in that, but market calendars, February 29th. It's going to be every girl in this place coming together. That's going to be awesome, and I'm going to steer clear so far, so far from that estrogen party. I don't want anything to do with it nothing to do. But for y'all, it's going to be incredible. And guys, we're going to have one coming up for us soon. So this is something that all of us get to experience. And then the last thing is last week we talked about Habitat for Humanity Build. Uh, where we get to go out and, and give our love to others, give ourselves away, love on others more than ourselves, the sign of spiritual maturity. So if you signed up for the Habitat Build, I believe there are about 13 to 15 of you. If you did, after we're done, in just a second, you need to go to Living Room D. There's a form you need to sign for the Habitat Build this Saturday. So listen, we're going to keep going after this. This is week two. We got a few more. Uh, Next week, one of my closest friends here is going to come and teach y'all. And you better be prepared because he's legit. And I'm not going to tell you who he is yet. You're going to get to figure that out. But we're going to keep going. Keep finding the wisdom, applying it to your life, and growing up where you are. I love you guys. I'm so thankful we get to do this. We'll keep going next week. We'll see you then.